of the Dixie Jackson State Missions Offering. So in the next few weeks, uh, you're going to have to do two things. You're going to have to put up with me for a little bit, and then you're also going to get to see more and more and hear more and more about Dixie Jackson Arkansas State Missions. Now, don't make no mistake, there'll be some things that you can pick up, and uh, one of them is this little card that says pray, and you can get them right outside, and you can also get an offering envelope. You give first to your church. Did you hear me? You give first to your regular offerings to your church, and then above and beyond that, you give to Dixie Jackson. And I hope that by the time that uh, you get to hear some of these videos and get to meet some of these people like I did, uh, God will bless upon you. You'll quit eating hamburgers and you'll eat a, uh, you may drink a glass of water and give that money to Dixie Jackson. You'll see, uh, as I have seen over years, the number of children uh, that have not been aborted because of the pregnancy care centers. You'll see the homes that have been changed and all the different things that's there so that's just a little bit it's coming you got time and uh, you'll have a lot of a lot of good things well I'm glad to be with you today and I hope that uh, you have your Bible and you will open it with me to Luke chapter 2 verse 41 we're going to start reading there in just a couple of minutes it's a it's a privilege to be with you uh, I'm planning on being here uh, until you tell me not to be here how's that now that could be next week, or it could be another week or two, uh, or till Brother John gets back and able to be with us. And again, thank you for your love and care for, for him and Miss Sandy and their family. Uh, uh, a challenging time for them, obviously. But I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks. I'll be here next Sunday. And then the next Sunday, I get the privilege of baptizing our youngest granddaughter, and so I'm not going to be here. You get second place that time, okay? She gets first place. Uh, I, I get to go do that. And then I'll be back a week, and then the last week in September, uh, I'd already committed to a church uh, there in Little Rock, so I can't renege on that. But then after that, you're stuck with me for the month of October, again, until Brother John gets back. So if you come back, you know, if you've been here three weeks in a row... Uh, you know what's, what's up for you, all right? So that's it. Well, several years ago, I was sitting in Park Hill Baptist Church. It was the evangelism conference. And a pastor, a uh, uh, university professor from Samford, Dr. Charles Carter, preached a sermon. And I want to give full credit to him for what I'm fixing to say to you because that sermon impacted my life probably like no other message uh, had ever impacted. You know, there are God moments in our life when God just speaks and you know, hey, this is for me. I can remember I was sitting up in the balcony. I can remember that special time. And I can remember God just speaking through His Word in a very special way to me. I was pastor of a local church uh, at the time, First Baptist Whitehall. And, uh, and, and God spoke in a great way. So I hope pray God will speak to you today. And uh, we're going to talk about the subject of the dangers of losing Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now, before we get too far involved, Jesus never did get lost, okay? So I don't think Jesus was lost, but somebody else lost Jesus. And that's what uh, God uh, talked to me about in my life. They didn't lose their relationship. They didn't lose their salvation. 
uh, they lost their fellowship with him. So let's read, if you will, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Very familiar passage of Scripture. If you're able to stand with me, uh, let's do that out of reverence for God's Word. And then we'll let you sit down for a, for a while. Verse 41, Jesus says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, that's a significant point, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances that evening. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days... They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they... Mary and Joseph did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's bow together and pray. God, speak to us today as only you can. Use my words, Lord, to be your words to me and to us. That we might hear you, we might follow you. And Lord, that we might be in the greatest relationship of our lives with your Son, Jesus Christ. We know that would please you and would benefit us greatly. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to make some things very clear to us. Uh, Luke is the only Gentile to write the Gospels. He's the only physician that was ever right. He's the only one to write this account. We don't have anything else about the life of Jesus from the birth of Jesus when we write or read two or three accounts in Luke, Matthew, and, and Mark until his earthly ministry begins. But Luke writes this account that when Jesus was 12 years old, as his custom was with his mother and father, they went to Jerusalem. Obviously, this is a special time in the life of Jesus. And, and he is becoming a man, his bar mitzvah, if you will, if we could study that a little while. Uh, is really very important in the Jewish life and Jewish culture, and so he's there. He's the only one that writes the early first words of Jesus. These are the first words of Jesus that we have recorded. If your Bible is like mine and it, it has red letter edition, you can see that. Now, I have to tell you quickly, years ago at Salem Springs, I made that statement, and a little girl came up to me after the service and said, Jesus didn't speak in my Bible because her letters were all black. If you could have killed me and sent me to heaven, then it would have been a blessing. I felt horrible. But just because those words are not in red in your Bible does not mean Jesus didn't speak, okay? So if you've got a copy of God's Word like that, it's still there. Jesus is still speaking. It's, it's very, very important that we understand Mary and Joseph didn't lose salvation. I'm not talking to you about losing your salvation with Jesus Christ. I firmly believe that 
once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gets a hold of you, and no matter what you do, He's not going to turn loose. Now, it's better if you start hanging on to Him like this, and you even get you know on, on up here hugging Him like this, and just wrapped around His neck, all those kind of things. But He's not going to turn loose of you. You are secure in your salvation. But you may not be secure in your fellowship. My mother and father used to tell me, son, we brought you into this world. We can take you out. But you're always going to be our son. No matter what you do, where you go, you're always going to be my son. Here we have a, a place where God's Word is telling us uh, some things were happening. And, and as God began to speak through Dr. Carter to me that day, he began to help me to realize that I was his child. I had become his child at an early age as a, as a young boy. And yet there were times in my life, possibly there are times in your life, when I wasn't as close to Jesus as I should have been. And it wasn't because Jesus lost me. It was because I lost the fellowship, the closeness of being with Jesus. So God began to work in my life. Dr. Carter said when that happens, some things need, need to happen. It happened to Mary and Joseph. Number one, we need to look for Jesus. Where did, where did we lose him? Mary and Joseph had, had not lost their salvation. They had... They just thought each other was looking for Jesus and following Jesus. And, and the scripture is very clear. They were unaware of it. It's like my wife and I kept our little two-year-old grandson a, a day or so ago. And there was times where we would have to say, Bennett, where are you? And have to listen because he had, he had moved away. Joseph thought his mother had him. Mary thought Joseph had him. As a pastor who's left a child at church before, uh, I understand that. You, didn't, you thought they had him and, and they didn't. Now think a little more with me about that. Let's put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's position. The angel had come and told them about this birth of Jesus that they were going to have. They have been with Him for 12 years. This perfect Son of God had never sinned. He had never had to have a spanking at the age of 12. And all of a sudden, you have carried Him to Jerusalem, a high religious place. It's been a special time for your life. And, and you have walked a day away Jesus is not there. Who lost Jesus? The very mother and father of Jesus that the angel had said, you're going to be blessed and you're going to have this responsibility to, to raise this young man. And you know, I can you think about Joseph's prayer life those days? Uh, dear Lord, I know that you gave me a special gift of your son, but I have lost him. I do not know where he is. His mother, I've been telling her she should have kept him. 
you remember Mary's life. Dear Lord, I know that you gave me this child as a virgin birth, and I know that you're all about this, but his daddy is not being the spiritual leader of the home, and we've lost him. What do you do when in our lives we're not as close to Jesus as we should? You first of all start looking for Jesus. You didn't lose your salvation, but Satan does want us to take our eyes off Jesus. Did you hear that? You didn't lose your salvation. You just lost your closeness, your fellowship. And they were unaware of it. Scripture is very clear. Unaware of it. And so, what happens? Well, we start looking for Jesus. Secondly, we start listening for Jesus. I'm sure that at the temple, at the church, uh, they had lost Jesus at the most holiest place at the greatest time of his young life. This was a special time. His mention is bar mitzvah, 12 years old. But let me tell you, bodily presence in a building does not make us close to Jesus. Just because you are here, you can be as far away from the Lord and Satan can have you thinking about everything else. All of us have been in church wondering what we're going to have for lunch instead of listening to what God's saying to us. All of us have been in service and have been preoccupied or distracted by something else in our life. Uh, the, the Cowboys, when they play at 1130, is one of the greatest distractions to us Baptists. I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, you know the Cowboys start at 1130. I said, yeah, well, if Jesus comes before that, you're going to miss the game. We start listening for Jesus. Where is Jesus? What is he saying? Statistics tell us that if 50% of our church members are present, we've had a good day. We know that if 20% of us often do 80% of the work, sometimes 20% of us give a large portion of the offerings, different things, Salem First Baptist Church, can I tell you if there's ever a time in your community that you need to be the church of God in this community is right now. Right now. Your pastor loves you, cares for you dearly. Physically, he cannot be with you right now. If there's ever a time when lost people in this area are going to look to you as church members and say, Who are you? Today is that day, and the day is to come. It's not a time to sit by and just wonder who's going to do that. It's time for you and for me to get in the harness of God and say, God, here am I. Help me to do what you want me to do. It's a time when we talk about last week as a church that we pull together and we start leaning on Jesus, looking to Jesus, listening to Jesus, and leaning on Jesus in a special way. You see that his parents went a day's journey without him. Now, now think with me. You've walked for a day. You've gotten to the end of the day, as Luke records, and, and then you find out that you don't have your son. So you're probably just going to pull over and go to sleep that night, right? No way. 
No way am I going to look up into heaven and say, God, his mom and I lost him. I know it's dangerous for us to go back the, down the path. There's, there's thieves, there's bandits, it's nighttime, it's rocky, the flashlight doesn't work right. Mary and Joseph started back immediately because they were leaning on Jesus to do what they needed to do. Looking for Jesus, listening. Can we hear His voice somewhere? Did we, did we lose Him along the pathway? Where did we lose Him? He's not lost, but we've lost Him. That's why every day we need to pray and read our Bibles and stay in touch with God. Pray without ceasing. Pray to a holy God. And if you ever think about, I've moved away from Jesus, or you may not feel like that. If you've ever thinking this, here's a good way to find out. Are you closer to Jesus today than you've ever been before? Does, does he know your name, or do you have to introduce yourself again to him in prayer? None of us know all the Bible that we need. We're still learning. The Holy Spirit's still transforming us by the renewing of our minds. There are things that are going on. There are people that are lost. And, and every day for us as believers can be sweeter than the day before. It may not be better in certain ways, but it's sweeter because we know we're a day closer to heaven. We're a day closer to what He's wanting us to be. What did Mary and Joseph lose? Not their relationship. They lost their fellowship. Who lost Jesus? The parents you thought would never lose him. Where did they lose him? They lost him at church. Because they were too busy doing things other than listening to Jesus at church. They were too busy doing other things at church other than listening to the head of the church. How did they lose him? They just started one day without him. Just one day, one step. The scripture tells us in verse 48, they sought you anxiously, Mary said, when she found Jesus. Did you, did you not know that your daddy and I looked for you anxiously? I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had a had a, a come to Jesus moment, if you will, and we, we talk about it between them two. We won't ever count on you to just watch him. I'll help you watch him. We're going to double team this thing. And we're going to stay close to Jesus. You see, parents, husbands, wives, Satan gets into our lives many times because we as husband and wife don't look to Jesus for what Jesus wants us. We look to somewhere else. They didn't start blaming each other. They just started leaning on Jesus because they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. No doubt about it. When you realize you're not walking with Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, who moved? It wasn't Jesus moving away from you. It was you, me, moving away. And they did something immediately. They... They left others and they journeyed back through the night. I, that's a harperism, but I, I'm almost positive 
that that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They didn't wait for somebody else to fix their problem. They, they started immediately and they, they knew they were out of fellowship with Jesus and they were anxiously looking for Jesus. Maybe they stayed awake for two or three days and, and didn't sleep because it was three days later that they actually found Jesus in the temple courts. They looked for Him. They did something persistently. Nobody could keep them from looking for Jesus. They knew Jesus was the answer in their lives, and they had to find Him. Kept on keeping on. If you love Jesus, here's where you find Him. Look with me in verse 49. It's in red letters. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Here's the last point. Some people think in their lives that uh, a great experience or a colossal word or a great situation in life will be the, the greatest thing. The greatest thing for you and I is to live for Jesus and doing His Father's business. And so if I ask you what, what your earthly vocation is, you may tell me. It may be farmer, rancher, factory worker, school teacher, no telling, student in school. That's your earthly vocation, but who are you living for? Many of us show up in our life and our community will ask us what we're doing, and they'll say, well, we know you're a farmer, rancher, school teacher, factory worker, whatever, student. But do they know that we're living for Jesus? You see, that's the most important thing for finding Jesus. Henry Blackaby said, wherever God is working, join him there. Where's God working? Well, he's... Obviously working in Arkansas, you're going to get to see that, hear that through the Dixie Jackson. You're going to get to see it in a lot of other ways. But God's also working in lost people's lives. I visited with a couple last night. We were talking about people that became Christians later in life and that we can't give up on them. Even though maybe they've closed the door in our face a time or two, we, we can't give up on them. We can't give up on our schools. We can't give up on our government. We can't give up on our culture if we love Jesus. we got to live for Him. And sometimes we're not exactly where we need to be. I have to raise my hand. There's times in Bob Harper's life when God says, hey, uh, you're getting, getting sidetracked here. You're, you're not doing what I called you to do. I'm going to do the Father's business, and if you're going to be with me, you're going to have to be with me. Years ago, my dad had a couple of old coon dogs, black and tans, Jack and Jill. They were a pair, and that my responsibility was to feed those old coon dogs in the afternoons and evenings before Daddy got home at work. Many times it would be later in the evening when he would get home, and and uh, old Jack and Jill, they were across a fence, kind of over under a big tree on chains. Had a nice place over there, but they were on chains. And 
And as a young boy, sometimes I would try my basketball and baseball skills of feeding them. I would not walk around to give it to them right there. I would just chunk it at them. And they got pretty good at catching it, you know, catching the food, different whatever, scraps, whatever I threw at them. Now, most of the time it was much better if I walked around and actually fed them, but there were times when I did that. There were also times when I had the responsibility for feeding Jack and Jill that I failed to feed them. And so when Daddy got home, old Jack and old Jill would be barking at him. And Daddy would know that Bob Harper had not done what he was supposed to do. And so we had a pretty close relationship, me and those old dogs. There were, there were times I'd chunk at it, you know. And I'll never forget one time as a little boy, we went coon hunting in an, at night and and uh, if you've never done that, that's a lot of fun. But it's, uh, you know, you go out in the dark and the dogs run off and, and trail a coon and they maybe tree it and you maybe get to go up and see it or whatever. Well, this one particular night we went off and, and the dogs jumped something and they took off. And like old black and tan hounds will do, sometimes they just took off. And it got later and later and we called and did all that kind of thing. But Jack and Jill... We couldn't hear them. We couldn't find them. And we had to leave them. And I'll never forget how bad I felt leaving those. But my dad took off his hunting coat. He took off his hunting coat, and he laid it right on the ground right there beside where the truck was. And he said, now, Bob, those dogs are a lot smarter than you and I are. And wherever they are, they're going to trail themselves back, and, uh, and they'll find this hunting coat, and they'll know I'm coming back because... That hunting coat's laying on the ground. And I said, oh, no, Daddy, we don't want to leave Jack and Jill. Yeah, yeah, we got to go. Got to go home. Your mama will be worried about us. So we went home. Supposedly went to bed and went to sleep. I may have slept a little bit. I know I got up way before the sun and walked back into Mother and Daddy's room and said, Daddy? And he was already waking up, too. He knew. I said, can we go look for Jack and Jill? He said, Sure. And so without mother or my sister waking up, we got in the old truck and we drove back to where that hunting coat was and there was two old black and tan dogs. Four eyes, two black and tan tails just doing this number as we drove up and the little boy jumped out and just, I'm sure I kissed him right in the snoot, man. Just, we're back. We're back. And I tell you that story because two old black and tan dogs taught me a lesson that night. That sometime when we run off down a path and, and we lose sight of our master, we need to go right back to where we lost our master and realize our master's going to be there waiting on us. Some of us have walked away from Jesus at times. He's asked us to be a witness. He's asked us to be a teacher in Sunday school or a helper in the nursery or he's helped ask us to do something and we've, we've walked away. Chased a deer, chased a rabbit, chased something. And Jesus is calling us home. He says, I'm doing the Father's business. Now I want you to keep reading with me. 
In verse 41, it says, Mary and Joseph didn't understand everything. You and I don't understand everything. But he went down, Jesus went down with him and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to his mother and his father. And Mary kept all of these things in her heart. She treasured this memory. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What had Mary and Joseph lost? They lost their fellowship. Jesus wasn't lost at all. He was doing the Father's business. Who lost Jesus? The very ones that you'd have thought would never take their hands off of him. Where did they lose him? They lost him right there in the church. Satan wants us to think we're all right, but to be preoccupied. How did they lose him? They just traveled one day. Just one day. Just one day. That's all Satan says to us. Just one time without him. Where did they find him? Found him right back doing the Father's business. Right back in the church, serving the Lord. Amazing people with his knowledge. Amazing people. You see, I think there's a great reason that this passage of Scripture, Luke wrote it for us. Maybe not for anybody else. Maybe it was just for me, but I think it's for us. Because old Satan wants us to lose our fellowship with Jesus. You don't lose your salvation. You're still his son, his daughter. But you may not be as close to him as he wants you to be. And even this morning, you may not be his son or daughter. You may have never said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, as my boss. Yes, Lord, I know that I've sinned. Yes, I know that you're the only way that I'm going to get to heaven. You're the only way my sins are going to be forgiven. It's saying yes to you, that I trust in you, that I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in you, Jesus, as a son of God that will take away the sins of anybody and everybody and all the sins of, of all the world. You're the only one, Jesus. And so I confess to you that I'm a sinner and you're the Savior and I want to start right now living for you. See, that's what an invitation from God is all about. It's a time we, we get up and we come together and we celebrate. Maybe, maybe today God is saying you need to join this fellowship and begin working together in this community in a beautiful way. Maybe you need to, to uh, recommit your life to Jesus in such a way that you just need to come up here and get right with Jesus. You don't need to talk to me or anybody else. You just need to come talk to Jesus. But you want other people to know that you're praying and, and they can pray with you. Maybe you're coming up here just to pray for a lost friend that's heavy on your heart. And God's saying, if you just move, maybe they would move. If you would just be faithful, maybe they would come to know Jesus. You do what you're supposed to do. And they'll take care of their own life. Maybe that's what God's saying to you. I know on that day when I heard that sermon, what Jesus' Holy Spirit said to me, Bob, do what you're supposed to do. I'll take care of the rest. So I ask you, will you do 
what the Holy Spirit of God is telling you to do. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we do thank you. We love you. We want to tell you that. But Lord, there's times in our lives that, that, that all of us has somehow moved away from the path you had for us. And Lord, today might be the first time that we, we say yes to you and we come forward and we ask that Jesus comes into our life. And maybe we just have questions about that, but, but we want to come and do that. Maybe, maybe, Lord, you're speaking to us about joining the church or being a full-time Christian minister or, or being a missionary or something else. And Lord, we don't even know what all that is. We just know that the call is from you and it's specifically to us. So we want to answer you. Lord, we love you. We're looking to you. We're listening for you. We're leaning on you. And we want to live for you. We ask it all in Jesus' name.